my guest today is Jack Parwata, who you can follow on Instagram at Jawata. Details below in the description. Jack brings a fascinating background in politics at both the state and federal levels to his teaching. He's a warm and caring person, which will become obvious as the interview progresses. I hope Jack is as enjoyable to listen to for you as he was to speak to for me. So boys and girls, if you're all sitting comfortably, then I'll begin. Alrighty. Tell everyone who you are. Hi. Um, so my name is Jack Pawata. I am a Masters of Secondary Teaching student um, at Australian Catholic University. My study areas are quite unique in the sense that I, I'm doing humanities, but my particular background uh, is in politics uh, and international relations. So that's sort of where I focus a lot of my teaching stuff. But I'm I teach. Hopefully, will teach if I grad, when I graduate. I will teach humanities sort of more broadly, which I'm really excited for. Name the different chapters of your autobiography and state in which one you decided on a career in teaching. So I'm quite young in comparison to other master's students. I'm in my mid-20s. So I haven't got a lot of sort of chapters like other people. Um, I suppose with every, every um, you know, person, there's always the beginning. So that would probably be from birth to maybe, you know, prep and maybe grade one from there to maybe you know maybe grade uh u12 would probably be like the development years the learning years um and then from year 12 my gap year through to about mid 2020 was uh what i call trial and error figuring out what i like to do what i wanted to do do it for a while not like it move around all that sort of stuff um and then my current chapter and I think this, this, the, the, the title changes a little bit, um, but it is the re-evaluation or the, the re-examination. And that is the chapter I'm in currently. And that is the chapter I decided to, to start a potential teaching career, to go back to uni, get a master's and, and become a teacher. So, yeah, the re-evaluation, the, the, the re, re-education, if you can pardon the pun for a while. <laughs> so how long ago did you... Did you think teaching, did that sort of enter your one of your options? And also tell me about some of those other trial and errors that you maybe followed down a little bit, but then came back from. Yeah. So I've always wanted to be a teacher from, from a very young age. I've, I've always liked educating people and, um, and teaching, thing, teaching other people my own knowledge and share that knowledge. I, I'm a big believer in, in order to, to get sort of everybody on the same page or to understand other people, you need to share knowledge. So I've always wanted to sort of do that in some capacity. I come from a teaching background. My mum's a primary school teacher. So I was surrounded by education from a very, very young age. And um, so I, I, I did a bachelor's. I started with a Bachelor of Arts at La Trobe University. And I, I loved that. And then within the first year, I, I knew that I wanted to get into more the international relations and politics side. I eventually wanted to work in the diplomatic service. I wanted to work overseas at an embassy and, and, and represent um, Australia. So that was at some. that was where the start of sort of my reaching for that came from. Uh, in my last year of my bachelor's, I did an internship with a senator, an Australian senator, and worked in his office for first five, six months and did a stint in Canberra for a week and loved it. Absolutely loved it. Loved being able to see the development of policy and creation. So I thought, you know what, why don't I look at maybe policy development and do that? So I worked for, I left that after my internship 
worked for in you know in sort of retail for a bit and then got a job working as an electorate officer for a member of parliament uh, uh, for the Victorian parliament and loved it absolutely loved it got to have a really good experience with her um, and work with stakeholders and shareholders and in particular constituents and get to know them and get to learn their problems and how I can best sort of make their lives better uh, and then from there, she, she comes from a teaching background. She's one of my mentors. She's an incredible person. Um, I, I think I, I attribute a lot of what I am doing now as a, as a future educator to her because she taught me about the importance of education um, and how important it is that young people get a quality education so that they can go and make, you know, drastic, important changes in the world. So when I... I was thinking about it, you sort of the pandemic happens and everyone go, you know, I think everyone can attest that during the pandemic and particularly the early, early stages, everyone was trying to figure out what they wanted. Everyone was trying to figure themselves out. And it was at that moment I, I had a couple of big life changes happen and I went, you know what? I love politics. I love being able to be in the room where it happens. I love being able to help people, but I don't think this is where my passion is. I think my passion ultimately lies with helping educate the next generation of leaders. And if I get back into politics, if I fall back into something like that again, so be it. But I think that's where my, my passion for education sort of was, was founded. So I, um, I can remember the call. I, I called her one day and I was working from home. I said, oh, I really need to speak to you. I really, really need to speak to you. I've got some big news. And uh, she was like, oh, what's going on? I was like, I'm going back to uni. And she was really excited. She's like, oh, that's incredibly, what are you going to do? Like, we'll make sure we work around you and all this sort of stuff. And she thought I was doing something policy-based. I said, oh, I'm not. I'm actually going to teaching. And the line went quiet. I went, oh, my God, she's angry. Oh, my God, she hates me. What have I done? And then all of a sudden I hear her go, well, you need to quit. You, I'm firing you. You're done. And I'm, oh, my God. Oh, my, she's mad. But no, because she's a teacher, she knows how hard it is to be to to do that. She goes, "You need to put your all into this. You need to. You're going to be an incredible teacher." And she told me an anecdote. One of her kids came home from school one day after doing a career quiz and said, "Oh, based on these attributes and these attitudes, Jack would be an incredible teacher." And that really touched my heart because I know her family quite well, and she, you know, my former boss was a teacher, so I put my all into that, and that in itself is where I, I wanted to put all of my eggs in that basket. So um, I applied for a couple of unis. I got into ACU in Melbourne and I really wanted to, I wanted to start straight away. I wanted to jump in the deep end and I know ACU is really well regarded for its, its master's programs. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I jumped in and, and here I am nearly two years later. I hopefully graduate in July if everything goes to plan. Uh, but yeah, I think for me, it would, my passion for education started when I was really, really young and it's built from that. It's continued from that. And now it is my future career path, which I'm really excited for. Outline what you've learned from your placement experiences about the job, about students and about yourself. So I unfortunately haven't been on a placement yet. I actually start my first round of placement in about two weeks, three weeks. But I think, as some of that hasn't gone in there, this question sort of stumped me for a bit, but I knew exactly what I want out of placement. So I might tweak it a little bit. And that is that I want to be able to know what where my strengths and weaknesses lie. And I think everyone, will, every, every potential teacher, every long-term educator will tell you 
that they're scared of teaching. That teaching can be quite a confronting and scary experience and you don't know where it's going to go. But at the end of the day, there's not an educator I have not met that says what I do is impactful. They don't, they don't dispute that. They all go that we are, we are important. So I think for me, what I want to learn from my placement in particular about sort of the structure of it all is what can I do to be the best possible teacher? How can I learn from students that I teach how I can be better? Because at the end of the day, our teaching style is that we had growing up, you know, that, that I had when I was in high school or primary school are different to what students are facing now. Students now are going through a global pandemic. They're learning on the fly. They're learning differently to how we did. So for me, I need to be able to differentiate. There's a magic word for teachers. I need to differentiate how I learn and how I teach in order to get the best for my students. And to sort of learn about myself, I need to learn what I'm comfortable with doing, what I can imagine myself doing, what I could potentially see myself doing and adapt from that. So I think for me, placement is placement's one thing and I'm really excited to do it. I'm, I'm stoked to be out there and to be teaching and I'm going into a humanities and an English classrooms, I, I believe. So I'm, I, I don't have a background in English, but I'm really excited to learn that aspect. But I think the number one thing I want to learn is how I can be better and how I can make, by making myself better, how I can make the educational experience for everybody better. Summarize what you've learned from your uni course and its utility. This is an interesting one, another interesting one. And I think, I mean, you always learn things. I mean, I've learned words. <laughs> this sounds so weird, but I, I, I'd always heard the word pedagogy being used in day-to-day language, but I had no idea what it was. Um, so like, you know, pedagogy, differentiation, zone of proximal development. I could, I, I know the filler words for an assignment that, that lecturers love. That's one thing I've learned. But I think the number one thing I have learned from being a teacher, oh, sorry, this, this, my uni is, is to be confident and to be like the, be- the, the best version of yourself is the person that teaches. And we learn things we learn things as people differently to depending on our surroundings and who we're around and, and every person is different in their learning abilities. So being able to, to adapt that, but also I think, and this sounds so stupid, but I've learned so much about behavior management techniques. I can remember doing a, a unit in my first semester called behavior management. And I loved it because I'm now able to look at how I was taught and also I'm a, I'm a coach, so I coach young people around 14 to 17. I now know new behavior management techniques and the differences in teaching styles and, and, and management styles and all that sort of stuff. So for the utilizing it, I think in your day-to-day life, being able to know, you know, we live in a world now where, there's so, where we're so divided. So being able to learn with that is important. So I think for me, learning about adapting education adapting how you speak to somebody adapting how you will portray information alongside being able to look at behavior management techniques being able to look at how one student or one person may may understand something versus somebody else i think is a real key aspect of what i've learned and how i've built upon that and learned from other people i think is really really important calculate in percentage terms how ready you feel to begin your career as a teacher? 
See, I don't know. Maybe I think I'm ready to be a, to be a teacher, hundred percent. Because I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be a teacher. Oh my god! <laughs> but from a from a from a preparation point of view, I'm very low. Like I would be in the mid to late twenties, I think, because I haven't been able to see it. I read something. There's a really good book called um, The Truth About Teaching by Greg Ashman, who is the head of mathematics at Ballarat Clarendon College. Um, and he, he, wrote, he wrote a really interesting um, sentence in the book, which was a lot, of, um, a lot of teachers think, a lot of pre-service teachers think that becoming a teacher means, you know, good hours and holidays. And he was, he was talking about this one pre-service teacher in particular. And that's what the pre-service teacher said. And Greg mentioned that, this person didn't make it to the end of their teaching path because they that's all they thought about it. So from a from a percentage point of view, I'm ready 100% to be out into the field, to be out and educating the, you know, some some students and, and to learn from them, but from a preparation point of view, I am so low on the spectrum. Oh my god, I'm so low. Highlight educational approaches that have shaped you. I think the care of educators is important. We are not we are not just people that stand at a classroom in front of a blackboard and write down the times tables. We are so much more than that. We are a counselor. We are we provide guidance, we provide emotional support. You know, we we see kids and kids being a relative term, we see people grow arguably more than other than other people. We, apart from parents or guardians, we see development firsthand. We're at the front of the queue to see that. So I think when, when educators take a caring approach to education to understand that everybody is different, and I've harped on about this, but I think it's important to, to, to specify, when you, when you take a caring approach to education, when you take an approach where at the end of the day, students want to learn. It's very rare that you'll find somebody that doesn't want to learn in some some aspect. But the the, the educators and the people, the mentors that shaped me, were ones that not only were teachers, but they were the counselors, the support staff. They were the people that were when I was at my lowest, they picked me up, or when I didn't quite get it, they took the time to make it better. So for me, those educational approaches, and I don't necessarily, I mean, you could look at like laissez-faire versus authoritarian approaches to education. I don't believe necessarily that one teacher can be one thing. I think we run our teaching approaches on a spectrum that we, we take from one and we take from another and, we, and we, we mold it into our own. But teachers that are able to do that, I think are the most impactful and the ones that have shaped me were the ones that were, yes, they were strict and they were on behavior management, but they cared at the end of the day. When you when they saw that you were struggling, they'd come over and go, okay, how can I make this better? How can I change the content or the way it's delivered so that you'll understand it? So for me, it's those educational approaches that have shaped, shaped who I am as a teacher and who I am also as a student. List and break down the go-to activities or exercises that you think all teachers should have in their arsenal. 
I am a massive, massive, massive believer in hands-on approaching to education. Now, this has different forms. For me as a humanities teacher, I'm very lucky because I can do things like museum trips. I can do things like art galleries. I can, you know, if I'm teaching geography and we're learning about water, we can go and, you know, go to the beach and see how that is adapted depended on, you know, climate, all this sort of stuff, right? So I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. But there is one underutilised tool, in particular for, for um, social studies teachers, humanities teachers, and, and that is the art of mockery is, I think, the easiest way to phrase it. If you're teaching government and policy, pretend you've got a government and policy. You know, one of, the, one of my assignments I did reflected around how this was based on um, global politics, a VCE subject. And they looked at how the American um, democratic system works and in particular how legislation is made. Pretend you're running a US Senate. Get, split the kids up. I know we talk, you know, the world is so divisive, but let the kids learn about how things get done. So in this sense... You know, create a Senate, make it a 50-50 Senate so they've got to, you know, fight it out to try and pass legislation where they have key understandings of the, of the, of the concepts, but they need to adapt to that. So I think being able to provide students with firsthand experience in that, whether that be through a mock parliament or a mock Senate, or whether that be by going to an art gallery or going to the museum or going to the ocean to witness how, you know, changing tides can change weather patterns. And, you know, there's all sorts of things but a lot of kids nowadays are kinetic learners they they want they learn hands-on and there are i think the, the the ways of read write and oral are gone or at least they're lesser than what they were and i can remember being at school and i can remember this one particular teacher who would stand up in the class and would write stuff on the on the whiteboard that's fantastic but i don't learn that way i don't learn by by writing everything down i need to see things i need to see things in action you know everything is documented nowadays so show me you know show me how um the the effects of of the russian revolution you know show me you know how important it was for martin luther king to stand up and 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 give his speech or cross the bridge at selma show me the importance of the australian parliament and its structure but do it in a way that is educational. So I think for me, my go-to activities and exercises are those where students get that first-hand knowledge. Plus, I'm a sucker for exit and entry tickets. I'm a sucker for letting kids build their own, um, build their own sort of structure. So um, yeah, and and play to their strengths. You know, kids love social media. I follow a couple of teachers that on Instagram that will actually at the end of every week put out a video of what the kids have learned in the class and they're getting it at a medium they understand. So for me, make making your educational your education as inclusive as humanly possible. And if you can't do that, then figure out what you can do to best provide for your students. Model a typical class of yours, mentioning preparation, teacher, students, and post-class. So, again, I, I haven't had the experience to be in a classroom, but if I, if I look back at what I sort of know from my own educational experience and, and the teachers I've spoken to, preparation doesn't stop. You're never, you're never fully prepared for a class. 
And if somebody, if a teacher or a lecturer tells you that you, you once you walk into a class that you'll teach it word for word as it's written down, they're lying to you. And I can tell you that right now from every person I've spoken to from, you know, graduate teachers to, you know, tenured educational providers, you're never, ever going to be prepared fully because there's always going to be changes. So prepare as best you can and make those changes. Teacher-wise, I think, depending on, on classroom size and depending on student level, I suppose, you know, my sort of teaching style is be amongst it. Don't I'm not going to stand up at the whiteboard and present. I could do that, but that's not fun. So be around your students. Um, I'm hoping depending on the class and depending on what I'm teaching, I suppose the, the student cohort could be anywhere from like maybe 10 to 12 students to if it's a junior humanities class, probably like 22, 23. So being able to adjust for that, if you're in a smaller classroom, in particular if you're doing the VCE subjects, um, revolutions, they tend to be smaller classroom sizes. So being able to, you know, adapt and learn with that. Um, and then again, for post-class homework and, and learning, exit tickets. Excuse me. I love, I love an exit ticket because you're able to show, students are able to show what they've learned and, and give you an update to what they've learned. And in every sort of plan that I've done, teaching plan that I've done, I utilize exit tickets as a way to bridge between the next subject. I look at entry tickets as well. Okay, cool. You know, we, we learned about, we learned about the Marbo decision and how impactful that was for First Nations Australians as the exit ticket. What didn't you learn? What didn't you quite understand? How can, you know, what do you want to learn more about? And then for the entry ticket, you know, it could be, let's say a student doesn't quite understand the 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 the, rev, the um, referendum, um, the First Nations referendum. As an entry ticket, they could have had to study that. What did you learn? Share with the class what you learned from your homework. Show me, as your teacher, what you've learned. So that way, you know, if you don't hand your like you're not handing your homework in, I can see that, but you're not learning anything from it. Tell me what you've learned. If you lie to me, you lie to me. But tell me what you've learned so I know I can gauge where you're at and I can adapt for that. Explain what the best advice you've received is. I, the best, best, best advice I ever received was from a tutor I had in my undergrad. And I wasn't thinking of teaching at this point. But a question was posed to him about why he got into why he got into teaching and why he got into becoming a lecturer. And he said he wanted to make a change, as we all do. And someone asked him, what would your advice be for people once they graduate uni and they go out into the big wide world? And he said, be confident, be quiet, and listen. And he didn't say it in a passive way. He didn't say it in a way that was attacking towards other people. But it was, if you're confident, you're able to walk out there and, and show that you know what you what you need to know. If you're quiet, you're able to understand and listen to what other people are saying. And if you listen actively, then you will then be confident. So it's that always sort of rotating thing. Now, I can tell you right now, I'm not quiet. If you ask any of my, my friends and people around me, I am not quiet. But I know when I need to be and I know when I need to learn and I know when I need to listen and 
from their confidence grows. So that's the best advice I've received from someone just in sort of that general line. When it comes to teaching, I I, I got this from uh, a very old friend of mine, one of my mentors from high school. She said, you're going to be tired. You are going to be tired. But just remember that when you see these kids 10, 20, 30 years down the track, they've got families, they've got a career. Know that even if you took them as a substitute teacher, you left some sort of imprint on them. And the person they are today is because the person they were, they were yesterday, the day before that, and 30 years ago when you took, took them for year nine Italian. You will always provide an impact on somebody regardless. Just make sure it's make sure you do your best to leave the best impact you can. Provide recommendations to people starting out or thinking of starting out in teaching, giving reasons. If you if you aren't genuinely considering becoming a teacher, make sure it's what you want to do because it is not. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's easy. It's it is hard. Even I am not even teaching yet, and it's hard. Because you are having to learn so much about who you want to be as an educator and and how you want to educate. So if you're going to do it, put your put your all into it and be aware that sometimes you're not going to get it right. Sometimes what you think you are teaching or what you think you want to teach may be important to you and it may be on the curriculum, but you need to deliver it in a way that is the best way you can. So if you're starting out, I mean, good luck to you. Get some sleep. Remember that anything more than five coffees a day is an addiction, but anything below that, it it's it's fine. It's like water. You're, you're perfectly fine. If you're thinking about starting out and if you're thinking about becoming a teacher, just make sure that you're ready to commit because it is not the sort of thing that you do for a year and then go, oh, I'm done. It shouldn't be because teachers are supposed to be there. They're foundations. They are foundational workers. They build, regardless of whether you're teaching prep or you're a supervisor for a PhD candidate, you are there to provide the best educational opportunities for that particular person that you are educating. You need to be willing to put in 110%. And if you're not, then I don't think teaching is for you. And you will make mistakes, you will fall, but be prepared to do that because when you do that and you learn that that is a possibility, you will be the best teacher. You will be the best educator. You will be the best version of yourself and the best person to be in front of those students or supervise that student to be able to, to provide them with the best opportunity to be the best versions of themselves. What do you want them to say about you when you leave the profession? I want them to say that I was nice. <laughs> I want them to say that I I want to leave an impact. And it, and I, I this question summed to me because there's a lot that I want to be, but I can remember once, I'm not from Melbourne originally. I'm from regional Victoria, but I was working a retail job and I was in in working, doing my thing. And I was serving this customer. And, you know, you do the pleasantries, yada, yada, yada. And she goes, are you Mrs. P's son? And I went, yes, I am. She goes, oh, my God, I had your mum in grade five. She was my grade five teacher. And I think about her all the time because 
She was one of the best teachers I ever had. She goes, I can remember holding you when you were born, all this stuff. And it was very unconfronting for me. But she was saying, your mum was one of the best teachers because not only was she fun, but she was strict and she was able to teach us exactly what needed to be taught. So for me, I want to be able to walk down the street and see a student I haven't seen in 20 to 30 years, not that I'll ever age, but 20 to 30 years. And I want them to go, hey, Mr. Pawada or Mr. P, whatever they're going to call me. I don't know yet. I haven't figured that out. Thank you. Thank you for believing in me because because of you or as a result of what I learned from you, I am this. I am, you know, I want to be out. I want to sit back and go, you know, that prime minister up there, you know, that foreign minister, you know, that world-class doctor, you know, that world-class historian, you know, that musician, you know, that small business owner. I taught them. I, I, I did what I could for them to get to where they are. And is that selfish? A little bit. I'll, I'll admit it's a little bit selfish, but I want to be able to look back on my life and go, God, I've done a good job. I've, I've been able to help people become the best versions of themselves. And I want, I want students, my future students, that when they get into their, get into the big wide world, when they become an educator, when they become a nurse, when they become a tradie, when they become whatever they want to become, that they have done so in a manner, in an environment that is safe, that they've gained as much knowledge as they want to gain and they're willing to gain, but also that they can, again, be the best versions of themselves. Because at the end of the day, the reason I am, the reason I am where I am today is because of the educators that taught me to be here. And they could be my year 12 English teacher, or they could be the lovely old lady the other day that taught me the difference between lettuce. She's a teacher. She's an educator in some capacity. We, all, we learn from everywhere. So that, for me, is what I want to be. I want to be that impactful. I want to show people exactly who they can be. Hopefully. We'll see. Jeff, thank you very much for your time. Thank it, it, it's it was an honor and when I got the email I was so excited because I, I you know Michael we had a class together and I learned so much from you and your input so when I got this email I was like absolutely I'm gonna do this but I'm, I'm so excited I'm so 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 excited and I can't wait to listen to other episodes and learn from other people because at the end of the day that's what we're here for 100% mate thanks again ciao thank you so much bye now thanks again to Jack and remember to check him out on the Insta at Pak Jawata. Details below. So until next time, it's bye for now.